reflect those of the Evening Rush Network. Viewer's discretion is advised. So, yes, so we are here plugged with Molly and Joe. You are now tuned in, plugged in with us, the Mental Warriors. You have words by Joe. You have Zakaria Yisrael up there. Man, listen, I like to see what it is. I'm used to the little the tracks and whatnot. So we don't have my brother, Sean Don. Shout out to Sean Don, whatever he's dealing with, he's dealing with. But shout out to him. Hope everything is fine. Maybe we see him pop in later on. But shout out to the Evening Rush Network as well for having us on. All right. So basically, you know how we do this, right? Okay. What's coming on tonight's show? Topic of the day, New York Undercover. Black history in the Big Apple. All right. These are the these are spots. These are places. This is history. Black history that's happened right here in New York City. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to pay homage, of course, because we always try to begin our show um, with any topic or any current events, what have you, with paying homage to the ancestors that paved the way for us to be here today. We would not be here today without the list of all of the people that we already paid homage to for how many shows. I don't even know how many shows there is right now. All right. And then, of course, current events. We have we're going to dig into current events today. It's so much happened in the past week that we have to dig into current events today. So without without further ado, I want to get you some words by Joe real quick. Joe, what's good, I don't hear you, Joe. I don't hear you, Zakaria, Zakaria, Zakaria. What you got to say? What's good, people? We here, we here, we here. Joe, turn your mic up. You hear me? I'm here. I'm here. Y'all don't hear me? Yeah, no, but- that's better. That's better. That's better. That's better. All right. I was here. I was speaking, but you know. Your volume low. Your volume low this week. You're still low. See, that, see, see Zakaria, remember we was talking about this. That's that new condo living, right? He you got know? that big old crib now, so the, the mm-hmm. sound got a long way to travel for a bounce mm-hmm. off the wall. You know, people, uh-huh. people, people done moved on up and things done, right. things done changed. We yeah. lose sound quality. <laughs> That's what it is. It's reverberating off the walls, so you know I have to be a little, I have to be a little more louder in my voice. But I can do that. It's okay. <laughs> all right. See if you can get a little closer, though. In the meantime, all right. Z- Zakaria, what's going on with you, man? You good today? Yeah, man. Always, man. Uh, you know, you know, like I always say, uh, better than yesterday, worse than tomorrow. All righty. That's that's kind of morbid. You know that, right? No, nah, man. Better than yesterday worse than tomorrow because every day gets better okay it sounded morbid for a second there no 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 it's 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 it's, it's, it's in congruency in context, with, in with my positive frame of mind right, i'm a kind of guy man copy that but you know what we have to do right now we have to let everybody know the platforms we're on as plugged with molly and joe uh-oh What's going on here? Feedback. We have Technical a lot of feedback. What's going on? All righty. We got that fixed. All right. So remember, once again, the platforms we're on, we have to let you guys know we're on there as Plug with Molly and Joe, the Mental Warriors, and we're also on there with the Evening Rush Network and their platform and their lineup of shows. All right. You can check those out as well. We're on Amazon Music, Pandora, Stitcher, Podchaser, TuneIn, Reasons Podcast, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Anchor.fm. Um, 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 what's that? Spotify? Is that Spotify? Hold on. Is that Spotify? I'm having technical difficulties myself. Oh, yep. That's Spotify. Our Heart Radio, Mixcloud, iTunes Podcast, The Evening Rush Network, of course, .com. And you can download the Even Rush Network app available on both iOS and Android. Alrighty. So we got that out the way, right? We got that out the way. How was yes. your week, guys? Everybody's week was good? Ah, yep. yes. Good. Yes. My week was amazing. Okay. Uh, like, y'all, like y'all done put me on the spot. I done, uh, I done moved on up like the Jeffersons, you know? 
Yeah, buddy. Gated community. <laughs> what kind of pie is it, brother? What kind of pie? Yeah. Since you finally got a slice, what kind of pie is it? Well, I'm a I'm a big fan of cherry pie, so cherry pie would be. <laughs> you would pie. be. You would be. You would be. I swear. Yeah, I don't know why I thought of anything different, man. I swear. But you know what time it is. Listen, I had a wonderful week, of course. Um, You know, my mind is always racing. You guys, you know, know that. And 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 things is happening in my in my world of of of, of um, community activism. I'm a, you know I'm an activist, man. You know I'm gonna call it what it is. You know I'm out yeah. here. I'm out, here, I'm out here doing what I need to do and, 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 you know, shaking hands with the right people. And, you know, thank God, you know, that with my, myself and Jada and a lot of other people, we're really, we're really seeing the fruits of our labor in the sense of the help we need to help our community. So man, listen, I, I'm blessed, man. Listen, I, I, I have, I have not much to say most weeks because I'm just, stay moving and start and trying to and striving you know so that's mean that's my week you know um but what we're going to do right now is what we do every week we're going to pay homage we're going to pay homage this week who are we paying homage to for you joe this week oh man this gentleman came out of i guess you could say you know I, we, i'm doing a lot with the kids this week with black history month so you know a lot of them are big stem people so grandwood grandville <laughs> Taylor Woods. He was an inventor. Granville uh -oh. Taylor Woods. He was somebody back. <laughs> That's right. He held more than 50 patents in the United States. He was the first African American mechanical and electrical engineer after the Civil War. Mm. He was self taught and he concentrated most of his work on trains and streetcars. One of his most notable inventions was a device called the synchronous multiplex railway telegraph. There was a mm. variant, a variation or introduction of the telegraph, which relied on static electricity from existing telegraph lines to send messages between train stations and moving trains. So he mm. pretty much created a communication device that could communicate between conductors and locomotives or trains. Wow. Uh, and, um, Sorry, trains and like their their dispatcher, if you will. So you know, a lot of people don't understand that Granville Woods is responsible for pretty much the development of the train, the, the trains, and how they communicated with each other. Yeah, we got something amazing, and that's why um, it's important for us to start recognizing that and start having a little more of a patriotic sense to our contribution to this country called America. You understand? I've been saying, I've been saying that. <laughs> Yo, man, listen, and and Zachariah and and Zakaria, I'm sorry, Zakaria. The funny part is that, and I hear, and that's why I hear you, bro, because you look at it from a different lens. You understand what I'm saying? And you're looking at it from a lens where it's like, yo, y'all need to be y'all need to be championed. Y'all need to understand. No, no, I'm gonna correct you right there, brother. I I'm feel you where you're going. I'm looking at it as a lens that we need to be championed because for the longest, I've been, with the more educated you get, you start to understand that this is a we thing. There's one race of people in the world. It's called the human race. They they choose to yes. keep us divided with colorism. It's yes. not racism. They calling it that because they want us to believe that. They want yes. us to think that we're so different. And, and now I'm not talking about the ones that are out there racist. The, the quote unquote racist. I'm talking about the people that have understanding that it's all about unity and love. So, what my stance is is that you all black people are not African Americans because the whole world was full of black people at one time in the ancient in the ancient map. You know what I mean? So we have to really consider that the further we go back in history, we are all one people. Now, my mind is there today. So when I see you, it's easy to embrace you as my brother. I can't embrace somebody that doesn't have that mindset. I don't care what color you are. It doesn't matter. Right. It's the, it's the, it's the mindset. Copy. Mental warriors. Salute. Z Zakaria, listen, lead into who you paying homage to this week. Well, I just want to say that me and Joe discussed this you know, prior. And um, I, I'm, it's like he segued right into my brain because it, it, another black inventor. 
Lewis Howard Latimer. Um, born in Chelsea, Massachusetts, September. 15th. Born in 1848, and 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 as we have to put, September 4th, 1848, because we know that a lot of the history of the slaves and post, uh, um, you know, abolition, if that's what you want to call it, is sort of uh, clouded. So we have to speak clearly according to their contributions. We may not have dates and everything accurate. But having said that, he was an inventor and draftsman, best known for his contributions um, and the patenting of the light bulb and telephone. So he was a very instrumental part in helping Thomas Edison patent and perfect and improve his renditions, his early renditions of the light bulb, and also Alexander Graham Bell in what the first telephone looked like and how it functioned, because he drafted the first um, uh, uh, drawings of those and the mechanics behind it. So he was born to parents who fled slavery. As we read about most of these early inventors that contributed so much to American history and the Industrial Revolution and pre-Industrial Revolution, um, just the, the inventions that change our lives today. Um, so just to highlight a few things, um, his father actually um, escaped slavery and was defended on in trial on trial by Frederick Douglass and William Lloyd Garrison. He was able to eventually purchase his freedom with the help of a local minister. He wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for that. It was six years later that he was born and his father disappeared and he took over for the family to support the family at 16 years old, at which time he joined the US Navy and fought in the Civil War. So when you talk about patriotism, this guy was actual, you know, he fought in the Civil War, you know, and not only did he is he known for those inventions, but a lot of his own inventions. So I'm just going to go through quickly. In uh, 1874, he co-patented an improved toilet system for railroad cars, which is called the water closet. In 1876, he joined um, Alexander Graham Bell and drafted his patent um, to, to the necessary drawings required the patent for the telephone. In 1879, he was hired as assistant manager of draftsman at Electric Lighting Company and owned by Hiram Maxim and who was a rival of Thomas Edison. Later on, his works were so known that Thomas Edison ended up hiring him and paying him more money. Okay. He was responsible for, for getting the, the, the light bulb made because he taught them how to, glow, how to blow glass. Um, he received a patent in, in 1881 for the electric lamp and improved the design um, in 1882 for the process of manufacturing carbons and helped with the, the, the development of the filament. So when we talk about guys like Thomas Edison, you cannot leave out Lewis Howard Latimer. But we do when we that's learn about this school. You know what I mean? Telephone, same thing. And, and the last thing. Hold last on. Thing. Give me one second. Uh -huh. That's definitely understood, right? And we have to, because time constraints and whatnot, because remember the video we have to. We remember we have a video we have to shoot as well. Yeah, we have to share the video, okay? okay. And okay. I want to give a shout out to Lewis Howard Latimer because that's a lot of deep, that's a lot of information. Like, what we want to like, do is share this with the public. So we're going to eventually have that attitude to our. Right. So what I want you to do is the, the, um, the research that you've done or what have you, and then we have a written form where people can go and then, you know, and ingest all of this information. Because, because I think I think I don't think that we actually do any of them any good when we don't ex when we don't expound on all of their acknowledgments. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like, you know what I mean? Because it does seem rushed. And for it to seem rushed, it seems like as we're doing, we're doing it at a disservice at the same time. You know what I mean? So what we're going to do is, you know how we do, we think about it, we go back to the think tank and we figure it out, right? So shout out to Lewis Howard Latimer. Mine's, I'm going to keep it short and sweet because time constraint. And then, like I said, we got, we got a little time on it. But mine's is none other than the, the, the voice of the Harlem Renaissance, Langston Hughes. Mm. Poet, 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 activist, whatever you want to call him, this man was the voice of of the black people back in back in way back in um, um well, he was born in 1902 and he died in 1967. Um, the New York, um, he's a New York poet and writer. He published the poem "The Negro Speaks of Rivers." 
when he was 19, briefly attended Columbia University and worked on an Africa-bound freighter. His literary career was launched when Hughes, working as a busboy, presented his poems to Vachel Lindsay as he died. Hughes' poetry collections include The Weary Blues in 1926 and Montage of a Dream Deferred in 1951. His later, The Panther and the Last, the 1967, reflects black anger and militancy. Among his other works are short stories, including The Ways of White Folks in 1934. Autobiographies, many works for the stage, anthologies and translations of poetry by Federico Gar Garcia Lorca and Gabriela Mistral, his well-known comic character, Jesse B. Simple, called Simple, appeared in this newspaper columns one of the greats and that is just some of the stuff that he's done and um you know i just want to say one of his poems uh real quick mother to son and it goes as such mother to son by langston hughes it says well son i'll tell you life for me ain't no crystal stair it had tacks in it and splinters and boards torn up and places with no carpet on the floor bare but all the time i've been climbing on and reaching landings and turning corners and sometimes going in the dark where there ain't been no light so boy don't you turn your back don't you sit down on the steps because you find it's kind of hard don't you fall now for eyes are still going, honey. Eyes still climb. And life for me ain't been no crystal stair. And that was next thing used. Wow. Don't, don't be out of here quitting. Don't be out here quitting, boys. Don't be out here quitting. So, without further ado, you know, wipe the little tear of my eye real quick. Um, we're going to get into our next segment. And um, topic of the day. Topic of the day with topic of the day. Can we get up? Oh, New York undercover, black history in the big apple. And first and foremost, um, who's going who, who's better to talk about the big apple than none other than the great Billy Mitchell, right? He is to me, he he is, you know, black history in the big apple personified, living legend, correct? So Joe, give us a brief, you know, couple of minutes of who Billy Mitchell is. Ah, well, Billy Mitchell. He's a mentor of mine. I've known Billy for a long time. Every time I see him and hear his stories, I just wish I had that type of lifestyle as a, as a, as a youngster and see what he did. Billy grew up in Mount Vernon, between Mount Vernon and Harlem. Uh, been working for the Apollo Theater since the early 1960s, from like 13 years old. Held all types of positions there. Uh, knew such famous people as Marvin Gaye, James Brown, you name it, anybody who's been at the Apollo, he's met in some capacity. And uh, Billy will tell you his story. This was not meant for him, but it just came that he is the person to share that story. And I know Billy, an Afrocentric brother, so he recently went to Ghana and shared his story there to get his ancestry, and he continues the life of it. So um, Billy is just somebody you want to look at and say, hey, I've lived a life like that. And I know what my life means. So I'm going to take what I can from him and hopefully instill that within my own life. And I hope that you all can do the same thing. So and at some point, as, at, and at some point we'll figure and say, all right, yes, I finally realized what my, what my position in life is. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yo, listen, when I, when I saw that interview, man, it was one of, it was, it was so inspiring. It, 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 it made me understand that I was on my way when it comes down to what I want to be doing. When I, Like you said, it seems like he has so much fun being who he is. You know what I'm saying? And understanding his responsibility in being who he is. So, um, you know, without further ado, I want everybody to take a listen to um, Billy Mitchell. I think he was in one of the meetings, um, of the community board meetings. Listen, the man, the man is requested everywhere. So um, take a listen to Billy Mitchell real quick, man, and tell me what you guys think. Share what I know about our history. 
I, I do not have a degree in black history. I have no letters in front of my name, no DR periods and all that stuff. But I do try to uh, uh, learn about our history and, and try to share as much as I've uh, learned with whoever I speak with. So uh, again, uh, happy Black History Month. Uh, our history is a lot of times told by someone else and it becomes their his story of us. Uh, we have to learn to share our own history, do our own research. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of our history that is uh, given to us in this country is not really true, unfortunately. And that's been going on for 400 and something years. Uh, we are told what we're supposed to feel about ourselves. We are told, and, and there's things written about our history, but a lot of times that is not totally true. And I'm not here to bash anything. I'm just telling you, uh, you know, how it is in this country. I'm sure uh, I'm speaking to the choir. Everybody knows that a lot of our history is not taught in the schools. Uh, that's why there's this big effort to not teach our history in certain schools because the truth can sometimes be painful to those who hear it and those uh, uh, receive it. So let me just not get all political. Uh, let me just share with you some things that we may know or we may not know about where we live. We, uh, we live on an island, you know, even though Brooklyn is part of this island, we live on an island called New York City, which was um, uh, originally uh, uh, inhabited by in, uh, Native Indians. And it was a, a tribe called the Lenny Napana tribe. And they referred to this island as Mahata, right? And back in the 1600s, um, uh, this company called the, the Dutchman, uh, Dutch West Indies Company, you know, they came and they had stolen our ancestors from Africa and they would bring them to all parts of the world, right? And they landed on this island that was inhabited by the Indians and they took it over. Let's be clear, they took over the island and they changed the name of the island from Manhattan to Manhattan, right? But then the British got into a deal with these uh, uh, these Dutch West Indies companies to uh, start in selling enslaved Africans, right? Now, those of us that know Manhattan, you know where Chambers Street is uh, from the, the West Side Highway all the way up into City Hall, Wall Street area. That's where our ancestors were bought and sold. Uh, they were bought and sold there. Now, can you imagine, we drive up and down Chamber Street right now, we see the buildings on the side, and we just don't realize that there were, there were enslaved Africans in chains that were taken from the Hudson River, and they walked them up to where they were being sold back in the 1600s, right? They would grease them up so that they looked strong, they would check their teeth, they would check the anal system, they did all this. And, and that same area is now where uh, uh, City Hall, Wall Street. Now, the word Wall Street, right? Uh, well, let me just back up a little bit. Um, when the Dutch took over this area, they had to deal with the British, right? And, and they named, after they took it over from the Indians, they named it New Amsterdam, right? That's where New York City was originally called New Amsterdam. But because the, the British had to deal with the Dutch to bring enslaved Africans here to sell as a favor to the British monarchy, the, the island was renamed New York after the Duke of York. That's where the name came from. Now, um, they also have a term called Wall Street. Back in the old days when, uh, you know, these enslaved Africans were brought here, there were also uh, farmers who brought their cattle, their pigs, their horses, their sheep, their cows to be traded, right? And they were called stock. Our ancestors were also referred to as stock. So they started exchanging these different animals and our ancestors with each other. And it became so overwhelming, they created this organization called the New York Stock Exchange. Don't believe me, do your research, okay? We forget these things, right? Now, as far as that word Wall Street, right? The, the, the Dutch came here and they bogarted and took over the Indians land and they brought in disease and the Indians started getting sick and they started getting pissed off. So they started attacking the Dutch. The Dutch built this wall to protect them from being attacked by the Indians. 
And as time went by, they started fortifying that wall. And then when they broke the, the, the uh, uh, stock exchange, they referred to it as Wall Street. That's where the name Wall Street comes from. Now, if you go to the stock exchange inside that building, I was once uh, invited along with our staff to ring the bell for the New York Stock Exchange. And inside they have an exhibit and they refer to this wall, but they inside they refer to as a little picket fence instead of an actual wall. So, so you know, you gotta be careful with the message they send out, right? So let me just, I don't wanna get too far in the, in, in, in the, in the woods with you on this. Um, I was blessed to have gone to this time two years ago, my wife and I, uh, we were blessed to visit Ghana, right? I wanted to find out where we came from, uh, how we got from that continent of Africa all the way to North America. And I want to thank God for my ancestors. Somebody in my family was enslaved and they made it across the waters. Somebody. And they procreated. And then we had my grandfather, great-grandparents. And also, of the, those of us that uh, are from different parts, from the islands and different, from Haiti, from uh, Jamaica, from Dominican Republic, your ancestors were actually stolen from Africa and they shipped them all over the world before there was a Jamaica, before there was a Haiti, before there was a Dominican Republic, your ancestors were brought. And because of your skill, because uh, you, you find that certain people were skilled in sugarcane. So they would take those slaves and put them and, and sell them in those areas. Some were good at planting certain things. So what happened was uh, they were brought here to this island and unfortunately, uh, my ancestors were stole. I don't know what they, their skills was, but that's one of the reasons why I'm here. Now, because of time, I don't want to go into the whole presentation I was gonna do because I know you guys have other things to do, but I wanna share this poem with you uh, that kind of capulates uh, us as a people. We come from different areas all over the world. Uh, some um, some people say I'm Jamaican, I'm Trinidadian, I'm I'm Dominican, I'm Haitian, I'm this, I'm that, and the other. But we all come from Africa. I don't want us to ever lose that thought, you know. So what I want to do is read this poem to you, uh, because I want to shut it down. I know we went past time, and I know how important it is on Zoom. You got only a lot of certain amount of time, but I want to read this poem to you that was written by a, a lady that has since passed on. Her name was. Uh, Juliet Domingo O'Connor, and her poem was called, Have You Seen My People? Now let that sink in, because sometimes you say, well, you're, you're an African-American, I'm Jamaican-American, I'm this and that American, but we're all one people. So check this out. If you just, I'm going to read the poem. It's called, Have You Seen My People? Here we go. They come to this new land in which I reside, and they don't seem to know me. They don't seem to remember that we all come from the same homeland. They tell me that they come from this island and that island, this country and that country. They do not see me as their kind, but they are my people. Have you seen my people? Trying to forget, not caring if we ever met, but they are my people. Have you seen my people looking the other way, not understanding my land as it is today? They may have a different accent, a different tongue, but they are my people. We mate and we have children. Now tell me, what do we call our children? A long time ago it was said, we would not speak the same tongue and we would not know one another. That prophecy has been fulfilled. I have witnessed the outcome, the confusion, when our children do not know who they are in a land where all Blacks are equal. When you see my people tell them, the seeds of our forefathers have been scattered through many lands. Tell my people it doesn't matter where we come from, we are the same race of people. When you see my people, tell them, I am they, 
and they are me, and we share the same blackness. Tell my people, I understand. I can see through the maze of false values that separate us from the spiritual forces of our forefathers. When you see my people, tell them, one day we will all understand and come into our common bond to love one another and share each other's knowledge. Tell my people, the spiritual forces of our forefathers is running through our veins and I love them. One day they will see me and love me. We will unite and spread love, the vibration of the universe amongst all people. And that was written by Juliet Dominguez. Wow. And with that, we're gonna have some words from the Evening Rush Network. Looking to podcast shows and do not know where to start? The Evening Rush Network can help you with that. Call us at 929-441-2417 or email us at theeveningrushnetwork at gmail.com for dates and prices. We got you for all your podcast needs. The Evening Rush Network. Tune in, subscribe, and share. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Um, of course, we're sponsored by Big Appalachian Academy for the Arts. Um, we're on Instagram, plugged, um, plugged MJ, Molly and Joe. Um, that was deep, man. That was that was that was very, 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 very deep, man. I'm kind of emotional, like I said, Zach. You know, like I said, Joe, he like to live a life that he's lived to have that kind of understanding of his mission and to have a hold of his mission in such a such a fashion is a beautiful thing to witness, you know. Um, what did you guys get out of Billy Mitchell? Zakaria, you go first. What did you get out of Billy Mitchell? Oh man, I mean. So I feel like what we just heard embodies what the counter to the problem is that, you know, the systemic agenda has been enforcing on the entire public, you know, and mostly the black community. He's educated himself. He's found out where he's from, where his ancestors from. He found out the true history of where he lives. And that alone is, you know, the fire behind what he's doing today, you know, and then that poem that he shared, man, I understand why he chose that. You know, I feel like that kind of represents him and how he feels as well and the mission that he's that he set out to do. Um, that history about New York City, I heard some of it before, but the latter half, wow, it's blew my mind, you know. Yeah, that wall that Wall Street, that Wall Street, right? Yeah, I didn't know about that. That is crazy. But it makes perfect sense. I I, I can understand why they would continue, want to continue that legacy today and keep it, you know, that's how they do. They keep things under wraps. They're very, they're very symbolic. Diabolical, I would call it, you know. <laughs> it goes to show you that there was always a system put in place. Whether Absolutely. Cows, chickens, cattle, it's just like every generation becomes something else. It became money, it was slaves, it was uh, cattle. So there's all, you know, there's always- It was cotton, it was cotton, it was tobacco, Sugar. oil. You know, one of one of them today is, is the entire sports industry in the United States, like Colin Kaepernick referred to the NFL draft as the slave combine. You know? Listen, and it's not just it's not just the NFL because the NBA. Yeah. I mean, as as yeah. as politically as politically conscious the NBA is, what is the difference? It's a it's just a it's a kid sport that they pay top dollar for you to entertain a bunch of people and get they hooping and hollering about. You know, yeah. so. Let's um 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 Joe. Any any words about um Billy Mitchell's video? Well, you know, I can listen to him talk all day, every day. Because that man just has knowledge, affiliating uh, from his pores, if you will. And I'm 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 one that wants to be around all of it. So I take some of what Billy has said, and I make it more, and I, and I learn from it, and I grow from it, and I make it better. So I'm just grateful that Billy was able to share that information with us. It just makes us more knowledgeable. Yeah. Joe, we're gonna have to send you a, a booth or something, man. We're gonna have to get that 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 Harlem feeling back in your in your crib, man. I don't know what's going on. 
where yeah. you done change burrows and then you got a, a octave low. You got an octave low, bro. No, we used to do back in the days with the booth in the closet, get a bunch of egg cartons and turn them on the backside and paste them against the wall. <laughs> yeah, you might have to create your own little little makeshift um DJ booth or something. Yeah. yeah. All right. So topic of the day, um, Billy Mitchell spoke to it. Is New York undercover? Like these are the things that he actually spoke to if you was listening in that little 10 minute um situation. All right. Um, black history in the big apple. He is the epitome of what black history in the big apple is. And when, you know, God forbid, you know, I mean, we all come and we all go. And like I always tell anybody else, it's everything that we do in the middle. It's all that the work that we do in the middle because we're all we all we all scheduled to check out of here. All right. So um and what we've done in that time is history. You understand what I'm saying? Whether it's for the for the negative, whether it's for the positive, is your choice, right? So topic of the day, New York undercover, black history in the big apple. Joe, this is your forte, right? This is leading into something that we're gonna talk about. Like I think it's gonna be a um ongoing series um where um your company what is your company's name again it's called jojo's ventures yes it's a new york based tourism company which focuses on not just african-american history but the history of new york from borough to borough to borough to borough to borough and what we decide, and what and what we decide, and what we and what we decided was that we're gonna try to take this all across the nation, right? You know, yeah. See, see, because I like to travel, so we might as well go and check some of these other places out, right? I mean, I'm, I'm on the side, so you know, we can pick up a little history about you know. The whole so, world. so that so that format would be called U.S. Undercover. How about that? There we go. Yes. There we go. When we exactly. that'll work for me. Uh, and it so, kind of it kind of goes with a theme because U.S. is is us. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Right, right, right. Joe, is that, <laughs> anyway, oh, I, I hear you. I, listen, that same octave right there. I need you to start us off. New York undercover, Joe. Start us off. Kick us off. What are we talking about? All right. So, in honor of Black History Month, I decided to put a couple of locations and little um, tidbits that people wouldn't know that acquired to black African-American history in New York City. So what I'm going to do is I'm gonna talk about three different locations that existed from the five boroughs of New York City. The first one being called Sandy Ground. Sandy Ground was the first original community that was inhabited by African-Americans in the 1600s in the neighborhood called Rossville, Staten Island, which is on the the South Shore. The first? The first black neighborhood in New York City was known as Sandy Ground. Okay. And it's the oldest surviving community in the United States, which was founded by free Africans prior to the American Civil War. So slavery ended in New York City about 1827. So from about 1827 to about 1860 something, it was the it was the only the oldest community that inhabited that was inhabited by free African slaves. Wow. And a lot of people don't understand uh don't understand that our history goes back before 1964 <laughs> for us modern folk. We go back to the 1600s, and there's uh, still a lot of documentation that exists in this country today that talks about it. We just have to go into the libraries, go to the historical societies, go to these places, and they're there for us, and most of them are free. And you said the 1600s? That's what you said? Yes, since the 1600s. Because remember, we came on this island in the late 16, early 1700s. So most most of these old neighborhoods have been there since, and they're still there. You just have to uh, know where to go to acquire the history of it. Is there a way that we, is there a way, like, is there a location? Like, we can GPS it and we can go to Sandy Ground right now. Well, there's a historical, uh, there's a historical museum on the actual grounds that Sandy Ground existed in Staten Island now. So it's a historical museum that if you wanted to go to there now and you would be able to find the information in Sandy Ground. So, and, and, and most of these museums are funded by the city of New York. 
So they may have a cover charge of it, but most of the locations. Um, just to give you a little bit of history of Sandy Ground. Okay. Um, within Rossville, it was the oldest surviving. Hold on one second before you continue, Zach Zakaria, you got any question about Sandy Ground? Because I, I find it fascinating. I don't know about you. I find it fascinating too, but um, I'm gonna save something to the end of the show because it's just gonna open the door for a whole new segment. <laughs> Copy that. Okay. Well, say, say no remind, more. Remind me. Say that. Absolutely. But I'll just speak a little bit on Sandy Ground. It was the oldest surviving community in the United States, which was founded by free Africans prior to the American Civil War. Dating back to 1828, just months after the abolition of slavery in New York. Several of the community's historic structures are still uh, still standing including five that have been designated as New York City landmarks, including a church, a cemetery, and three homes. Some of the residents also still live in the original community. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. Shout out to Sandy Ground, man. Shout out to Sandy Ground. Right. Well, if wow. you happen to come to New York and want to visit Staten Island, please make that on your uh, list of visits to go see. Listen, we're gonna check that out. Let's 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 make let's make that a um um a point of a point of emphasis this year, Joe. Like a lot of these places, when we say New York undercover, let's actually put some video footage to say, checking it out. You know, it's throwing yeah. this out. I'll be coming to New York with the family before the year's up. So. Oh, all definitely. right, you let us know. Yeah, let us know. You y'all more than welcome. Y'all listen. We here. All right. Oh, so next, next, next. What do we what we got? What do we got, Joe? What we got for? Ah. It's Brooklyn in the house. Without a doubt. In the house. Without a doubt. <laughs> so I'm going from Staten Island to the good old BK, and I'm going to talk about the neighborhood historically known as Weeksville. Now, Weeksville was. Aha. I knew that would ring a bell. <laughs> so, Weeksville is an historic neighborhood founded by free African-Americans in what is now known as Crown Heights in the 1860s. Slash Brownsville. Slash Crime Heights. Yes, all of that. <laughs> uh, so Weeksville was named after James Weeks, an African-American stevedore from Virginia. Mm -hmm. In 1838, he brought a plot of land from a gentleman named Henry C. Thompson, who was a free African and a land investor in the Ninth Ward of Central Brooklyn. Thompson had acquired the land from Edward Copeland, a politically minded European American and Brooklyn grocer. Mm -hmm. Copeland brought the land from an heir of John Lefferts, who was a member of one of the most prominent and landholding families in Brooklyn. Uh, just a segue from that, John Lefford also owned slaves. Wow. So as most of the people, there was a um, very interesting community uh, development that was coming across last year called Slavers in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And what they did was they went around to different streets in Brooklyn. And most of those streets are named after historic figures like Nostrand, Lefferts, Pickton. All those names are named after historic families that owned property in Brooklyn in the early 1800s, 1700s. And most of them owned slaves before slavery ended in New York. So a lot of people don't even know that. So wow. John Lefferts was one of the families. They say prominent in landholding, but they they have refused to talk about the uh, the, the, the slave owner part. <laughs> but no. there was a lot. Of you know what's you know what's crazy about Weeksville? Not to cut you off, but I want I want you to pin that real quick. What's crazy about Weeksville is this the reason why me, myself, Zach, Zakaria, and probably Joe, and even Jada in the background, we all have like a, I don't know, like a closeness to Weeksville because it's right there. Like we live in the, we've lived in the hood that Weeksville is, 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 is there. Like where they say, okay, this is where we're going to represent Weeksville at. Cause I'm sure it spanned so many other blocks. You understand what I'm saying? But yeah. You know, they kept a few of those buildings and you walk or you walk past slave buildings. Like you literally be in Brooklyn and you walk past a building that slaves, you know, people that people that used to be slaves 
came up here and, and, and decided to have a life. And yo, it's crazy. It's so deep, man. Go ahead, Joe, man. You're doing your thing, man. Listen. <laughs> well, well, many African-Americans saw land acquisition as their opportunity to gain economic and political freedom by building their own communities. And James Weeks was just one of those men who did that from 1776 to 1863. That's how long he lived on this earth. Mm -hmm. So it was established by a group of African-American land inventors and political activists and covered an area of Brooklyn's eastern bound Bedford Hills area, which was known as Fulton Street, East New York Avenue, Ralph Avenue and Troy Avenue. So those were the borders of Weeksville. And I know you all taking that head because that's your hood. I'm on I'm on Utica and Dean right now. So right now. funny. I was on Park Place in Rochester. You want to hear something funny? Go the ahead. landlord to the building that I lived in was named Mr. Weeks. Get out of here. Hey, ask Paulie, brother. All right. All right. Say less. I believe you. Trust me, I believe his you. Son, his son is still running the building today. Wow. Okay. Wow. So Yo, shout out to Weeksville, Brooklyn. Listen, shout out to Weeksville, Brooklyn. It's still standing right there in the this day strong yes. as a monument, as a reminder, and all of that. Trust there's you, also, it is there. You can walk past it right now. There's also um, a nice heritage center there as well. So they usually have a lot of events and things like that too. So that would be a nice yo, place. Let's, let's yeah. do that. Let's do that with Ball of Bronze, okay? Sure. All right. Sure. Listen, listen. Yo, I love this segment already, man. Joe, Joe, Joe's adventure, man. We're going to do some. We're going we're gonna, to we're travel, man. We're going to travel. We're going to travel, man. Say less, man. Say less. We're going to get out there for real. All right. So next up on the list, the last but not least for New York Undercover this week. New York Undercover, Black History in the Big Apple. Joe Joe's Adventure, he is, this is like, this is like his coming out party. He letting us know how much history we just live amongst. Because like Weeksville is something like, it's bugging me out because like I said, we lived that. Me and Zakaria lived Weeksville. Like we lived that. And I don't know. Maybe it was something in the water over there, but we, we we were doing it now. Go ahead, brother. All right. So we are going to go to a place in lower Manhattan, which Billy Mitchell did explain was the foundation of New York at one time. So we're going to talk about a place called Francis Tavern. Mm. Francis Tavern is a museum and a restaurant in New York City, which was situated at 54 Pearl Street which is in the financial district of Lower Manhattan, which was also known as uh, New York City during the time that it existed. Mm -hmm. uh, Francis Tavern was a, a headquarters during the Revolutionary War for George Washington. It was a venue for peace negotiations with the British and housing federal officers in the early Republic. One of the, the reason why there's an African American connection to it is. Oh, I, I was waiting for it, man. I, I know. Everyone talking about George Washington. Well, bro, I was sitting there like, where the hell is Joe going with this one here? Like, I don't know about this one, Joe. I don't know about this one, Joe. Look at well, him, brother. The reason I, 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 why, why there is an African American connection to this tavern is because mm -hmm. it was owned by a man named Samuel Francis. Samuel Francis was the owner. He was an American restaurateur and the owner and operator of Francis Tavern. During the Revolutionary War, he provided uh, for prisoners during held during the seven-year British occupation of New York City and had claimed to have been a spy for a lot of the, you know, for, for, for the American people. One of the things that um, Samuel Francis, a lot of people don't know, is that he was a black man. Mm -hmm. But he was light skinned and he passed as a light skinned man. And, and you can that, imagine. And, that, and in that time, that was actually kind of the norm for us to even get ahead. Absolutely. You know, for someone like Samuel Francis, he was he was light skinned so he could pass as black. And I'm pretty sure if they had figured out he was a black man, that would have been uh, probably left really, really fast. You mean he could pass as white? Yes. Right. He was I, I could relate to that. I hate you, bro. Oh, <laughs> yo, yo. Yes. Yo, shout out to Francis Tavern, man. That is some deep stuff, man. 
and people don't understand that a lot of our brothers and sisters had to play the color card, whereas it wasn't the race card because they was looking. Listen, they knew they were black, but listen, if I could pass for white, I'm gonna do what I, I'm gonna do. What, I'm gonna do what I need to do. You heard what I said. My producer is bothering me, guys. Hey, like Romare Bearden. Remember, I mean, Romare Bearden. Remember, we talked about him. The, uh, yeah. the the black baseball player from the Negro League that was offered a contract in the in the MLB, and he had to he had to pretend he was white. Because he right, was white. right, right, right. He denied, he denied and didn't take it, and became one of the most uh, profound artists of our history. Right, right. Did we speak on him? I thought we spoke on yeah, him. We did. Oh, yes, yeah. we did. Right? On, the, on the Colin Kaepernick on the Colin Kaepernick Part Two episode. Yes. Right, and you know what's crazy, and that's like, listen, we could get so much out of just just paying homage. You understand what I'm saying about our history and getting enough information out there to our people. So people need to like like I said, we like I said, this is this is some serious stuff and we're gonna we're gonna do what we gotta get. We're gonna do what we gotta do. All right. So all right, listen. So we got time today for what we always like to do, which is current events. And the reason why we make sure that we have time today is because these topics are doozies. All right. And I believe that it's some some things that we really need to highlight and look upon. All right, remember we were talking about um, the brother Brian Flores last week, correct? We were talking about, was last week? Yes. yes um, and um, he's um, suing the NFL. He's suing a few teams in the NFL because he feels like um, we're discriminated against and, you know, all all of the cliches of the Black Lives Matters movement, okay? <laughs> all the cliches, um, sayings, and all that other stuff. All right, systematic systemic racism, not a blah blah blah, systemic um, oppression, all of those things. Correct. All right. What we wanted to do this week is put up a, a a little picture about the comparisons between black and white players and coaches in the NFL. And um, it's glaring. <laughs> it's crazy how the difference is. All right. So right here. Players, how many players do we have in the NFL that are white, and how many players there do we have that are black? Um, Zakaria, how many are white? 432, and compared to people of color, is what it's called on, on the uh, statistics. Uh huh, uh huh. 1,220. So, one quarter of the players, I'm sorry, one third, right, of the players uh -huh. are white. Okay, so. How many are head coaches, I mean, you know, leaders of men, um, the ones that are the brains behind the operation, are white? It sounds better when you put it this way. Out of 29 head coaches, 26 are white. It impacts more that way. There's only three black coaches, head coaches. And this is from when? Um, this is from when? Where's this at? From 2012 to now? Wow. Yes, 2012 to 2021. The past nine, ten years. Wow. Okay. So now, all right. So we're talking about the players, how many players, meaning we only have 432 white players, meaning those who are qualified to entertain the masses. And then we have people of color, okay, which could be knowing them they could put, put the hispanics they could put the blacks and they could put any other color all together but knowing but we know the majority of it is black all right but then you say who can lead them 26 coaches three people of color all right who's calling the plays all right but hires between 2012 and 2021 joe ah okay Fred, head, head coaches uh, white counterparts, 51. People of color, 11. Hmm. How many general managers? That's the people that's hiring and firing. Yes. Wow. A white, 31. People of color, 6. Hmm. Okay. Let's go to um, offensive quarter coordinators and defensive coordinators. How Now, watch this. And, I'm gonna, and, and this is where I'm going to have a point real quick. All right, offensive coordinators, um, Zakaria. 107 are white, 12 are quote-unquote people of color. 
Offensive, meaning we throw in the ball, it's where we get the money, it's the quarterback, it's the leader, da, 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 right? Offensive, you know, offense. Yeah, the, right? the Defensive coordinators, Joe. Ah, white counterparts, 61. People of color, 39. Mm. Mm. Now, you know what's funny about the reason, and I know why I believe that they, you know, they don't have a problem making us defend them. They've uh -huh. never had a problem with us defending them. Uh -huh. Ever. Keep the stats up. They've uh -huh. never had a problem with us defending them. We've always been on the front line. Yes, we're only good to be the players, and we only have a mind to defend our white counterparts. This goes back to that segment about working while black, right? And um, there's a ceiling that you can reach. You can get a job at the company. But there's a ceiling that you could reach in the hierarchy that you're not going to be the head in charge. But you could get the job under the head because you still have to be subject to the rules and told what to do, and you're going to be run. We got a mathematician. We got a mathematician in the background. The numbers that they outnumber us in is astronomical in the sense, right? And But now, who's the one putting on the show? Right. Right, we're out there on the field. Well, that's why the comparison to slavery is so uh, fresh. I mean, when you look at, like you said earlier, the defensive players, the second in command, most of us were second in command and we were defending the actions that were done by the white counterparts, correct? Correct. There's correct. some type of system that's put into play there that kind of makes a little sense. Yo, you Let's see it, right? Like, it's glaring. Like, we got a lot of jobs defending them. Like, listen, we got about 39. That's but a lot. this is just a parallel of the entire country. Look how many people in the government are white as opposed to the people who they put to police communities to, in the military, and which is still large, small numbers, according, you know, for the for the black um, con contribution there. Because then, those are the people that's, the, because remember, those are the general managers, the head coaches, and the offensive coordinators. Exactly. That's the coordinators, exactly. is the, those are the police. Right. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. Listen, we, we, we're going we're gonna to put it on. <laughs> but how many are judges, right? How many are the politicians that pull the strings, that have some okay. say law changes? So um, our mathematician says 74% of players are black, 10% of coaches are black, or people of color. Mm -hmm. That's hmm. a very glaring. That's, that's a very glaring. You know, that number, that number's actually smaller according to how many of them are black because they're adding Latinos in there. Right, 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 right. Adding so, Asians now. So like you said, people so, of color goes around the spectrum. Anybody but exactly. one. I knew this topic. I knew this topic would would last a little bit. I don't know. Maybe we want to save the next topic for next week. What you want to do? I want just, to just just hit one of them real quick. Hit, uh, I'm hit, hit, hit the Adele one. That's a hit that's the a Adele. Button. Hit the Adele. One. Hit the Adele button. Shout out to the ladies in the world, man. Shout out to the women. Yeah. Shout out to the women. Shout out to all the females in the world. Um, can we hear that? I don't know. Can we hear it? What's going on? What are we doing? I want to hear it. 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 Can we hear it? No? No? I want to read about it then. I don't Let's know. Do but Let's Adele do um, was receiving an award over there. I do. Uh, uh, mute, mute. There we go. Well, the name of this award has changed, but I really love being a woman and being a female artist. I do. I do. <laughs> proud of us. I really, really am. Thank you so much. We're proud of you, too. I absolutely, like, I love Adele. Like, like I love, love Adele. Like, 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 yo, listen, I really like her, you know, just yeah. this, this, this sidebar. But, um... I don't like I, I didn't understand where she was getting slammed for telling a gender. Now watch. That was funny as they said a gender neutral award show audience. She loves being a woman. That's what not a gender neutral award show audience because of all the, the cheers she got. It was not a gender neutral audience. The person who posted that wanted it to be a gender neutral audience. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, Sean. I'm sorry. I ca I caught a moment, brother. I caught a moment, brother. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want to shout out Adele for standing up because she knew that that was. She understands what's going on, and you could tell by her even making that statement. It's like, listen, I don't have a problem being a woman. Like y'all want to be who you are. I'm a woman. I want to stand by that. I want to stand on being who I am. The same way I should be able to stand on being a man and loving women. You understand what I'm saying? The way I do it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why do we have to be hiding from the, the, our true selves, right? It's to the point where, where we can't even be proud to be what we were born as. And right. now we conform to all these new terms, turf, and, and the LGBT community determining what we can and can't say. And now, if you want the respect, then you have to understand there's going to be people that have opinions against yours, and our opinions deserve to be respected as well. And I always say, if you want me to accept you for who you are, but you can't accept you for who you are, you ain't got nothing to say when I voice my opinion. Right. 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 I have an So... I just think that, uh, you know, we're going to a place in society that's breeding marshmallowism is what I like to call it. Everybody's soft and sensitive and you can't say something yeah. about anymore. You're not entitled to your opinion or freedom. And, un and unfortunately, because of the technical difficulties, I don't want to push it or anything like that and, and do too much. But, yeah, we're going to um, wrap this up today with what we just um, spoke on with Adele. Shout out to all the women in the world that's proud to be a woman. And listen, don't let it. Listen, don't let don't let anybody, especially somebody who doesn't understand y'all struggle. You know what I mean? Every right. bit of your struggle. You understand what I'm saying? To to dictate, you know, your joy in being a woman. You understand what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, you know, listen. All all, all respect due to their choices. Is that's what it is? It's a choice. You guys, you women did not have a choice. You women did not have a choice. You were born the way you were born, and you accepted what you were, were accepted with, and more power to you. I salute to you all. Peace. Peace.